Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 29 for me and season 25 for Amanda. And this is day 9 of season 97. Our first question asks for the term used in tennis when the ball is returned over the net without bouncing, and it also is part of the word of another sport. Uh, so I I didn't realize that this that that's what this word meant. Ah. Um, I, I I quickly figured that this was a volley, mm. uh, as in volleyball, uh, at least partially because that's what volleyball is, is just hitting the ball back without it hitting the ground. Right. Um, I just, I never really kind of uh, thought of volleying in tennis as anything but just kind of hitting it back and forth. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't realize that was not hitting the ground part, but uh, came to this fairly quickly, just sort of ran through a few other tennis terms to make sure I wasn't thinking of something else. But yeah, volley made sense to me. Sure. Um, and... Certainly in thinking through this question, um, uh, other like, you know, across the net kind of sports are definitely what come to mind right away. Um, And I started off thinking, oh, this is about like either bump, set or spike Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's, it's something analogous to volleyball. But then I realized saying the word is used in the name of another sport. I had to kind Mm. of make that distinction and not just used in another sport. I think I kind of misread that a little bit initially. Um, And then I thought, oh, well, it's called volleyball. So volley, is it? It kind of clicked for me like, oh, that's a term in tennis too. Um, That, you know, like, like you, I wouldn't have been able to give you this specific of a definition for it. Um, but once I kind of made that connection, I thought, oh, yeah, that that definitely makes sense. I'll go with volley. And that was correct. Question two asks us, what country is Sheikh Mujibur Rahman considered the father of? Yes, uh, it gives his dates of serving as prime minister and president and so on. Um, so we're looking at a country that really kind of probably formed in that early 70s kind of era, if you're talking about someone who's, you know, a founding father in a way, kind of like George Washington would be for us, um, that's that kind of tracks with that. And looking at the name itself, um, I thought, okay, uh, Mujibur Rahman sounds like, you know, I kind of sounds like uh, either Arabic or more specifically like um, Indian subcontinent kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of went through like other Arab world countries and thought, no, I don't think these, you know, formed during this era necessarily. Um, if it was someplace like the UAE, then this person's title would be Amir and not Sheikh. Um, and so kind of drifted back towards like, okay, I'm pretty sure India and Pakistan, of course, formed when partition took place and that was much earlier than this you know early 70s kind of era so i thought was this when bangladesh was kind of became its own country and stopped being east pakistan um and that kind of kind of gelled for me like i I thought at least it was a good educated guess even if it was wrong i wouldn't feel you know totally foolish for um making the guess because I felt like I had a decent line of reasoning for it. So 
not very confidently, but um, I, I went ahead and put down Bangladesh because I thought that sounds plausible enough. I kind of had a similar thought process of it. Um, the Sheikh and the Mujibur definitely sounded Indian subcontinent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I thought 71, yeah, that sounds about the time that East Pakistan became Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know it exactly, but I know that partition was in the late 40s, and it was kind of a generation later that mm. uh, the Bangladesh became Bangladesh. Right. Um, so, yeah, for for lack of actually knowing this, <laughs> uh, I I went with Bangladesh and was probably about seventy five percent, eighty percent confident. Mm. Well, I was much lower confidence level, but it was Bangladesh. That was the correct answer. Um, question three asks us for a name for a type of plants that comes from the word juice in Latin. Uh, so I had to think about this one, but only only two or three times. Just mm. kind of going back to the, uh, okay, plants that store water. I thought, oh, those are succulents. Okay, is that mm-hmm. from the Latin for juice? I have no idea. <laughs> but I suppose so, because other things that are succulent are juicy. True. Uh, which has always kind of confused me about the plants, because mm. they just, like, I don't think of a cactus as being juicy. Okay. Uh, I mean, it is if you cut into it, sure. It's, yeah. It's a way to get liquid in the desert if you're dying. Um, but a lot of other plants that are called succulents, I just don't think of as succulent <laughs> in the way that I think of, say, a foodstuff mm, being succulent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I kind of landed on that and thought, eh, okay, sure. Yeah, that that makes as much sense as an etymology as anything else. And, and I think that's pretty much what those plants are, even though the sort of cognitive dissonance I have of, of them being called that uh, always kind of trips me up but Mm -hmm. okay yeah i'll say succulent Mm -hmm. yeah this is one where i mostly relied on the latter half of the question like the description of the actual plants of having these sort of thick fleshy um you know kind of juicy looking leaves they all you know their leaves or stems or whatever are thick and fleshy and they look like like a fruit or a vegetable that also could be you know kind of a, a juicy thing that you know is containing some water in there um and, you know, kind of it brings to mind pretty quickly because, you know, succulents are kind of having a moment in the culture, as they say. Like, they're they're popular, they're trendy, um, they're easy to grow, um, they're cute, you know, they're, they're aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Um, and so they've been, you know, as houseplants um, and I suppose garden plants, too, have been popular recently so it's it's kind of a top of mind category of plants um you know uh like i'm going to assume this question is going to skew a little bit female as far as you know who's going to key in or not really quickly um and so yeah this i i i thought sure that sounds plausible like etymologically those kind of sound alike things like you suck the juice out of something you know, it kind of uh, tracks in that sense as well. Um, so all signs point to succulent. That's what I put down. And that was correct. 
question four asks us for a playwright who starred in a Robert Altman adaptation of one of his own plays, specifically Fool for Love. And this all happened in the 80s. Yeah, so I certainly didn't know this one out of the gate. I feel like I don't even have to say that out loud because of, <laughs> you know, it being sort of this uh, niche uh, film and theater question, uh, at least it seems to me. Um, I probably have vaguely heard of this. I haven't seen a lot of Robert Altman movies. Um, in fact, I think maybe the only one that I am certain that I've seen is The Player, which is much later. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I was sort of left trying to get to this question through my knowledge of mid-80s, you know, theater, which is a, a dicey proposition. Um I did manage to think my way over to Eric Bogosian, um, who is an actor who also has written plays, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the 80s. I think, you know, some of his works were um, getting lauded for their mm -hmm. uh, their quality. And um, and it and the description of this play, bleak and claustrophobic, sounds mm -hmm. like like my sense of Bogosian's work, again, <laughs> not having seen particularly much of any of it is that it's not what you would call happy-go-lucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I you know I don't know much about it, but I thought that sounds like, a pr again, a pretty plausible answer for this time frame, this uh, framing of the question or of the description. Um, and so I put down Bogosian. Okay, okay. Uh, my, I, I went off on a tangent on this one early, unfortunately. Ah. Uh, has nothing to do with whether I answered it correctly, but it <laughs> occupied a lot of brain cycles in my morning. Mm. Uh, because there was a movie in the 90s called Down With Love, mm. which was sort of a homage to the uh, Doris Day, Rock Hudson kind of rom-coms uh, rom of the, the 50s and 60s. Okay. Uh, and it had Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger and mm. David Hyde Pierce. Oh, yeah. It's like one of the few movies that David Hyde Pierce has been in, uh, mm -hmm. certainly in a starring role. He was like the second lead. Um, and so I was trying to reconcile that with like, no, that wasn't really that bleak and claustrophobic. <laughs> and I don't think either Ewan McGregor or David Hyde Pierce could be considered a playwright. Maybe they mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. David Hyde Pierce in particular, like he kind of seems like the kind of guy who, who would write a play. Sure. Sure. Um, but and, and finally, I managed to peel the actual name of that movie in uh, out of the place that I was storing it. No, 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 wait, yeah. that wasn't fool for love. That was down <laughs> with love or, or something like that. I don't know. I don't even know whether I actually remembered it or not, but I, I remembered everything else about it. Looked it up later after I answered. Uh, so I was just kind of left with, okay, who is a playwright in the early eighties who might have been in a movie of one of, presumably his plays although looking at this it could have been a woman could be a woman oh, yeah. eddie could be a woman no I pronouns are used pose, there yeah um but i was I, I was just leaning on male playwrights because boy let me tell you if, if you think i don't know female artists <laughs> uh, i sure as hell don't know female playwrights uh, i've already forgotten the one that was the answer like last season for Louise Lasser, was that it? Something like that. Uh, Hansberry? Eve, I don't know. Eve Ensler? Oh, Eve Ensler. Eve Ensler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, see, I <laughs> didn't even think of her. Uh, so I, I kind of thought, Neil Simon? 
Mm. This doesn't sound like one of his plays, but if mm. you're if you're calling it bleak and claustrophobic, maybe you're just kind of indicating like, no, this was kind of weird for him. Mm. Uh, and my other thought was Harold Pinter. Oh. Just because that would be one of the most Robert Altman kind of things to do <laughs> ever is make a Harold Pinter play and have Harold Pinter star in it, for God's sake. Um, but I just kind of kept coming back to Neil Simon just because why not, you know? I've never heard of this. It's entirely possible that Neil Simon was in a movie adaptation of one of his own plays. Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. Sadly for both of us, the answer was Sam Shepard. Yeah, okay. Which I never would have gotten to. I don't I don't know his, he, he his is backdrop a, that well. Yeah, he's a gap in my cultural knowledge, mm. even of playwrights and actors and people who have uh, done both and the like. I just, yeah. he, he's one of those people that I hear the name constantly and I just cannot identify anything he's ever done. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup, even though I know that he has done things probably that I've seen. The right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the main thing that I would know him for. Mm-hmm. Like I glanced at yeah, his he played Jaeger, Wikipedia right? article, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I, I should know him, but I just, that's, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can ask me about him again in a week and I will, I will have forgotten <laughs> that he, that he did that. We should arrange to catch up on our Robert Altman viewing. I, yeah. I feel like that's trivia. Yeah, he made a lot of, also good he made quality. A lot of, really good, a lot of stuff. really good movies. I've seen a lot of his movies, but he made a lot of movies. Like he's, I guess, he made yeah. a surprising amount of movies for mm-hmm. someone who was working in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Oh yeah. Like there's, oh, well into the 90s, there's just yeah. a bunch of them where you're just like, wait, he what? <laughs> oh well. Anyway. Moving on to question five. Um, we are asked to name or, or give the word for a goat's horn filled with fruit and flowers, denoting wealth and abundance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I didn't, I, I, I could think of this. I could picture it immediately. It took me uh, a couple of tries to sort of uh, lock in the word because goat being so heavily, so mm-hmm. high in that question, maybe, hey, oh, that's Capricorn, right? No, no, that's not it. Oh. It's the, it's the, the, the corn of Capricorn. No, no, it's the cornuc- <laughs> cornucopia. Yes, that's it. Okay, cornucopia. And then I, I just, I just kind of stared at the question for a while thinking, it's a goat's horn? Like, yeah. I... Well, yeah. For one thing, it's the, the version that I think of when I when I think this is so kind of huge and wide and weirdly round and just fat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it just doesn't seem to me to be an actual beast's horn of any kind. Um, sure. But certainly not a goat's, which all the goat horns I, I can think of are very short yeah and relatively Skinny. slender mm-hmm. yeah i mean ram's horn okay yeah it's, it's at least got the curl mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah so i th- this was one where like i was absolutely certain that it was gonna be this except there was like two or three percent of my brain that was like no there's there's something else in this that you're missing mm-hmm. because it's even though it fits everything else that can't possibly be modeled after a goat's horn that's <laughs> insane but for, for lack of a better term, I went with cornucopia. Uh, yeah, I was I was a little surprised by the goat part as well. Um, I very much relied on the word for horn just being corn. Like that's um, that's one of the basic, you know, kind of language things with a term like this is um, the unicorn is one horn. I, it's mm-hmm. it's 
since this is the horn of plenty it's it's the cornucopia um and yeah i you know certainly if i had paused to think beyond that i would have been like wouldn't it really be a ram's horn or wouldn't it be something larger um i'm also aware that there are lots of different varieties of goats that you know we maybe don't see on american farms Mm. every day um and so the the ancient greeks um perhaps had a different breed with a larger horn you know i maybe would have thought my way through that if it had even given me pause um but it really didn't i i just figured this just had to be a cornucopia and it was Question six asks us for the band that made the song Don't Stop Me Now. Which is uh, Queen. And gives us a lot of other <laughs> stuff that actually helped me get it. Oh, all right. <laughs> but because I immediately thought of Journey. Oh. Uh, and, and I knew that that was Don't Stop Believing. But right. I, just, I was thinking, oh, this is Journey. And I kept reading the question. And it says, oh, and a 1975 epic from this band is the other 70s song on the list. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, no, that epic has got to be Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And then I, I kind of went back and was like, don't stop me. I was like, don't stop me. Now. Oh, yeah, that's a Freddie song. Okay, yeah. That's that's Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this one I got very quickly because it was used pretty recently in some ad campaign um that we saw repeatedly on some show that we watch and so that don't stop me now like that Mm -hmm. verse specifically or chorus or whatever is very prominent in it um i might not even have gotten this one if that wasn't a a pretty recent and salient um memory because i don't have that like i don't know that much of queen's uber except the kits you know and even then that's pretty shallow a field that I know of. Um, And so mostly that second half of it just kind of confirmed like, oh, okay, so this this other song is Bohemian Rhapsody and it is interesting. You know, it makes for a very good trivia question to say that there's only 270 songs on Spotify's 100 most streamed songs and they're both by Queen. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of interesting to know. Like that's this is what the the youth of today is into as far as <laughs> <laughs> relics from the previous generation. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, as you can tell from my, um, snappy response to your starting the question, um, I was pretty sure right off the bat, this was queen. Mm-hmm. And it was. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. So I got five. As did I, I the same five. Get to six. I, I think that's going to be a, that's going to be the, the most missed of the day, I think. Oh, yeah, pretty sure because uh, uh, all of these were, I believe, easier than remembering that Sam Shepard was in a Robert Altman movie in 1985. Yeah, I, you know, I do kind of like that that comes up on a day with a game sport question and kind of a tougher world history question that I uh, was able to land on. Um, so I, you know, I'm hopeful that I might not lose three points on that one. Maybe just two. Um, Although, looking at all of these, well, yeah, I don't know if I would say objectively. Actually, I think the hardest one objectively might be Bangladesh. Um, Probably, yeah. But uh, it's it's close to that one, unless you are kind of a film buff, um, you know, because I don't know that that was a big hit or anything. Uh, I don't think it, it left was a not. big mark on the the uh, 
cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. um, since 1985. So, um, so yeah. it it kind of depends on your knowledge of that particular, you know, corner of things, and mm-hmm. so maybe not such an easy one. Um, so you know, hopefully we'll get a decent uh, decent score out of this. We shall see. Yeah, and I. <laughs> You know, I think I mentioned uh, earlier in the year when we were just a, a few match days in. Now we're not a huge number of match days in either. But um, I took a screenshot of the fact that I was in the green zone. I was up <laughs> at number three. Um, and I thought, well, I better take a picture because it'll last longer. Uh, it turns out I'm back yeah. into third place again, yeah. which is remarkable uh, at, a, at a 6-2-0 and record. That is unprecedented for me, so I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Um, I will hope this adds to it, because I don't think this was a super easy match day in general. Um, well, about half and half, let's say. Uh, so, anyway, feeling good about it. Glad to have a decent performance going into the weekend. Okay. Yeah, I'm at 1-7-0. Mm. Uh, the seven losses is the most I've ever had consecutively. Aw, that's a bummer. Uh, I don't know whether that's a tie for the most. It sounds familiar, but it's mm. it's my active streak, so I guess it takes uh, precedence. But yeah, that's so. I'm hoping for hoping to pull out at least a tie today. We'll I, see how well, it goes. You certainly and, deserve one. And hoping that my opponent sees my second best film category and discounts hey. my third or fourth worst theater category when they're scoring. They really ought to, because I I wouldn't have been surprised if you had gotten that one and been like, oh, Sam Shepard, he was in all these things. You know, and, and had happened to read about him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, here's hoping. Yep. But that's it for today. So, tune in on Tuesday for more post-game analysis. And remember... Don't forfeit. Don't cheat. <laughs>